Every Wednesday morning here on the WMAY Morning News Feed, we check in with our watchdog partners at the Better Government Association for full disclosure, shining a light on state government and the things that it is doing and how that impacts your bottom line. David Grising is the president and CEO of the BGA and is back with us again this morning. David, as always, welcome. Great to have you here. Good morning, Jim. Great to be with you. All right, sounds like we've got a little bit of a delay, so we're going to let you do uh, much of the talking here. We want to start off with uh, one of the very important things the BGA does, which, of course, is investigative reporting. Uh, and there are new installments of an ongoing series looking at Illinois' Medicaid program. It's rife with problems, potential conflicts of interest. Uh, it's enriching a lot of people while uh, often not serving those who really need those services. David, there's a couple of new segments out on this on the BGA's website. Walk us through what you're finding. Right. What we found, as you just described, is that the uh, healthcare system uh, has benefited the Medicaid system and the, the private companies that operate it uh, have benefited substantially uh, from an increase in uh, COVID-related revenue, et cetera. Um, we looked at three companies that have booked $5.2 billion in revenue, uh, almost $300 million in profit uh, from the system. These numbers are both up substantially from what it used to be. And uh, we also um, looked at the fact that these insurance companies, which really are the ones who are responsible for actually paying the hospitals that deliver the services, uh, they their uh, level of denials and delay in paying these hospitals uh, is really substantial. And in fact, we found a number of hospitals that are facing serious financial problems uh, due to the delay in payments. This is not delay because they're denying service based on legitimate reasons. This is just delay in the way that the insurers process these claims. And we looked at, uh, for example, a Lutheran, um, uh, Lutheran hospital that that is waiting for uh, more than six months for $1.3 million worth of pay payments. We found a hospital that uh, has had to uh, um, severely curtail its neonatal intensive care unit uh, because it was owed $7 million uh, for delivering those services, et cetera. Uh, another part of the story looks at conflicts of interest in the management of the state health system. Uh, the, um, uh, there's, there's a revolving door between the insurance companies that are such a key player and the management uh, of the of the system and uh, former hospital former insurance company executives moving into positions of leadership and importance in the um, Department of Health Services and uh, this this presents uh, while while we did not find any examples of people taking advantage of those uh, positions in other words there are conflicts of interest that people so far we don't think are uh, are taking advantage of them and, and unduly benefiting from them. But nevertheless, when you hear complaints throughout the system about the influence of the insurance companies, and then you see insurance companies 
really running the state health care system, uh, it creates uh, some serious concerns. You know, we, we obviously, uh, there's a couple of objectives at, at play and in conflict with each other here. Uh, these managed care organizations were brought in precisely to try to get a handle on costs and to, uh, to make sure the system is running efficiently. But that, in turn, can often mean that, uh, as you noted, uh, funding is not getting to the medical providers, but also services are not getting to those who need it. Uh, and, of course, our elected officials talk a good game about wanting to make sure we're providing services to those most in need. What are they saying about these problems and what, if anything, is being done to address them? Well, uh, I think this this information that we've developed is so new that we're not uh, seeing any action yet. But we did talk to some public officials who uh, who were concerned, especially with regard to the um, the conflicts of interest that we've identified. Um, uh, this this goes, you know, we talked to State Senator, uh, State Rep. Fred Crespo, uh, who talked about it as being interbreeding between the insurers and the uh, uh, Department of Health and Family Services. Um, we, uh, there's, there is concern about it, but again, these, this information is so new that we haven't yet seen the response. I think that'll take a little while for this information to sink in and for demands to reform to uh, to emerge. The story's just posted the Better Government Association website, bettergov.org. You can go check those out. They're free and readily available right there on the home page. And uh, we look forward uh, to seeing more uh, of this and to see what, if anything, is done in response to it. So by all means, we'll continue to keep an eye on this evolving story. David Grising's here with us, President and CEO of the Better Government Association. And David, of course, we've been uh, watching this week as the governor has taken an entourage halfway around the world to the United Kingdom, uh, going to England and to Scotland to talk about climate change, to talk about energy, uh, green energy here in Illinois, to encourage investment in the state's burgeoning green energy industry. While back at home, the governor is getting some criticism for uh, going on this junket. Uh, some of his uh, potential political opponents next year saying that uh, he's off uh, rubbing elbows with the elite when he should be back here tending to problems here in Illinois. Overseas trips are not anything new for Illinois governors, but uh, what's the uh, what's the situation in terms of, um, you know, uh, do these actually pay off? Is there any return on the investment here? And do we really know what the investment is as far as, uh, you know, how much it costs to send the governor and staffers and even the Speaker of the House and the Senate president on trips like this? Well, uh, actually, the public doesn't end up paying the bill for this, but the, the way that these bills are paid does raise some questions about uh, undue influence by the part of private players. Uh, the governor himself is paying for his own trip, uh, but the, the staff that's traveling with him and a pretty large retinue of staff is with him uh, is being paid for by uh, business promotion group Intersect Illinois. And um, the people who then end up going on those trips uh, with the governor usually are members of the board of that group and uh, their companies end up footing the bill for the trip. So it does uh, obviously create a, a, a debt, um, not formally, uh, but but certainly uh, a real sense of obligation that uh, the trip would have, was made poss possible by these private sources. And the big pro one of the big problems from our perspective is the lack of transparency. Uh, for example, you don't always know who's traveling with the governor. You don't know what private deals those people are trying to make. Um, uh, the bigger question of should the governor be doing taking trips like this? Uh, I would say that in today's global economy, uh, the governor of Illinois 
ought to travel from time to time, uh, you know, if in, in fact uh, the governor is able to do good for the state. Uh, we've seen governors, as you pointed out in the past, going way back to Jim Thompson going on, I think, about almost a, a you know, two or three week long trip to China way back when China was opening up. Uh, and we saw George Ryan go to Cuba when we thought Cuba was going to open up more uh, because of the agricultural opportunities uh, in, as that state opened that country was expected to open up. Uh, this this is a little more uh, vague as to what Governor Pritzker hopes to accomplish. He wants to establish Illinois as a center for clean and energy. And of course, we just saw the passage of a huge clean energy bill, which includes $700 million in subsidies uh, for Exelon, the parent company of Commonwealth Edison. Uh, it, it probably fits what where the governor is trying to take the state, uh, but we won't know for a year or two, really, whether it was worth him spending several days uh, at the climate summit in Glasgow, Scotland. Yeah, these deals don't happen overnight. Uh, there is still a lot to be said for face-to-face -face, uh, contact and making those connections that could eventually pay off in some additional investment here in Illinois, but only time will tell if it does, in fact, pay off that way. Much more to cover here this morning on Full Disclosure with the Better Government Association. David Greising is the president and CEO. He returns with us here in just a moment on the WMAY morning news feed. All right, welcome back to Full Disclosure with the Better Government Association. David Greising is the president and CEO and returns with us now. Uh, governor J.B. Pritzker, his administration, touting new estimates from the governor's office of management and budget showing that Illinois uh, seems to be in better fiscal shape than we predicted a year ago, but still not good fiscal shape, uh, even though the uh, annual deficits forecast over the next five years won't be nearly as large as anticipated. We're still running deficits for the next five years, and the red ink just uh, continues to uh, to fill up, just not quite as uh, quickly here. So, David, what's the uh, the upshot? Is this good news, as the governor says, or is it just slightly less bad news? Well, uh, it's improving news. Let's put it that way. Uh, whether good or bad probably depends a little bit on your perspective. Uh, it turns out that the economy is stronger than uh, was expected. And uh, to what extent the governor or his policies is responsible for this improving news, uh, you know, we'll leave it to others to debate. Um, what he has said, what the office, his budget office has said, is that uh, they're looking at a $418 million general fund surplus this year uh, compared to what they had expected, which was an $88 million uh, surplus. So that's that's almost quadruple. That is quadruple uh, what the expectations were. Uh, let's remember, this is on a $42 billion budget, uh, so the proportionately these are not huge numbers. And also, uh, as you mentioned, the deficits over time continue. Uh, $406 million deficit expected in 20, fiscal 2023, which starts on July 1st. And by fiscal 2025, we're looking at a billion-dollar deficit. So uh, while this is encouraging, uh, uh, certainly the state's fiscal problems are nowhere near solved. You know, we, we have to, to point out the estimates of a year ago suggested that we could have annual deficits in the 4 to $5 billion range each year. So it is improved, but it's sort of like saying, hey, you've got a $100,000 balloon payment due Friday, uh, but we're going to knock it down to just 20000 due on Friday. Well, that's great, but you still don't have the money. So uh, we, we do have that challenge there. It does, uh, uh, the, the uh, Gombe uh, uh, estimates, 
uh, do suggest that uh, we are starting to turn the corner a bit on our pension issues. And it has to be noted, and the governor will uh, note this at, at every turn, uh, we have seen better response from our credit rating agencies than we have literally in decades in terms of how they're assessing Illinois' fiscal outlook. Uh, baby steps, but steps in the right direction as opposed to steps in the wrong direction that we've seen for so long. Right. And some of the decisions that the governor is making, uh, those are those are open to question. For example, you mentioned the huge $141 billion pension deficit uh, or pension underfunding. Um, that really is not being addressed in any of the current plans being floated by the governor. Instead, the governor is paying down the overdue bill backlog, which itself is a significant problem. Uh, uh, and, and it's good to see those numbers come down, and they've come down substantially over the last few years. Uh, that said, there's still $7 billion or so uh, in, in back-due bills. And uh, when you just leave that huge pension uh, uh, underfunding just sitting there, um, that's, uh, that's sucking a lot of money from the state's operating funds. No doubt it'll be a big uh, subject of discussion in the upcoming uh, election cycle. 2022 is literally now just days away. Uh, so we'll be hearing a lot about this in the weeks to come. Uh, one other uh, action the governor has uh, taken this week, apparently while he was overseas, but he affixed his signature to that legislation that seeks to clarify the Health Care Right of Conscience Act. As we've talked about, uh, that bill did pass the General Assembly during the fall veto session, but not by one wide enough margins to take effect immediately, so it doesn't actually take effect until next summer, uh, and yet it is still the subject of uh, ongoing litigation or threatened litigation from police and teachers and others who don't like the governor's vaccine and COVID testing mandates. So, David, does this have any uh, impact on, uh, on all of that uh, legal fight that's going on about this? Well, the legal fight, probably not, but it, the political issue remains very much alive and well. I think there were 50,000 people or so, or maybe more, who, who filed witness slips against this bill. That shows that there's huge public uh, uh, response and interest in this. And as you point out, Jim, the, the, one of the most interesting factors is the fact that this doesn't go into effect until next June. So while people are concerned and claim that their rights are being violated, uh, they're not going to be violated for at least another half a year. And any litigation we have to presume would be resolved before uh, people feel that they're forcibly being required to get vaccinated or take other precautions before they can show up for work. Some analysts believe that the courts will look at the fact that the legislature uh, by passing this uh, stated its intent that the Healthcare Right of Conscience Act not apply to COVID-related mandates, but whether or not that will actually play out in court is something, again, we will see in the uh, weeks to come. And with that, David Greising, we are uh, just about out of time this morning. So before we uh, part company, tell people how to find you and the Better Government Association the rest of the week. Sure thing. I'm at dgreising at bettergov.org. That's D-G-R-E-I-S-I-N-G at bettergov.org. And our website is bettergov.org. And of course, here each week, full disclosure on the WMAY morning news feed. David, we'll talk again next Wednesday. Thanks, Jim. See you then.